Welcome to the Gut Podcast. I'm Mary McLean, Senior Lecturer and Consultant in Gastroenterology at the University of Aberdeen, Scotland, UK. And in my capacity as Education Editor, I'm hosting this podcast today. This month, I'm discussing the Editor's Choice Manuscript from the August 2017 issue entitled Dietary Emulsifiers Directly Alter Human Microbiota Composition and Gene Expression Ex Vivo Potentiating Intestinal Inflammation. I'm delighted to welcome the leading author of the article here today, Dr. Benoit Chassin from the Centre of Inflammation, Immunity and Infection within the Institute of Biomedical Sciences in Georgia State University, Atlanta, USA. So thanks very much for joining the podcast today. Well, thank you, Mary. It's, it's really a pleasure for me to, to talk a little bit more about our work today. So thank you for the invitation. Well, it's now well appreciated that the intestinal microbiota holds a pivotal role in health and disease, and your paper assessed the effect of dietary emulsifiers on the microbiota and host. So what are dietary emulsifiers, and how are we exposed to these? So emulsifiers are very broadly used by, by the food industry in order to improve uh, texture and extend shelf life of many um, packaged products. So most of the packaged food will be uh, will be loaded with emulsifier. So most of the packaged food you will find in, in supermarket will have emulsifier in it uh, in order to stabilize mixture of uh, emissible liquids. So a very good example for this is uh, peanut butter, which contains a lot of oil and then need to have emulsifiers in it to have in order to have a, an homogeneous texture. So you can find in the supermarket uh, emulsifier-free peanut butter, but in this case you will have a layer of oil at the surface that will separate uh, from the peanut butter. So this is exactly why uh, the food industry using emulsifiers in order to improve such uh, texture. And another very good example is ice cream, uh, which need, need to have some emulsifiers uh, in it in order to have a very smooth uh, texture. So you've worked on this topic for some time and previously revealed these agents can impact host biology in the gastrointestinal tract. So tell us more about this. So yeah, indeed, we, we initiated the work um, on emulsifiers back in 2012 when I joined um, the laboratory of Professor Andrew Gevert at Georgia State University. So at the time, we were very interested in investigating some environmental factors that may play a role in the rapid, uh, very rapid increase in incidence in inflammatory bowel disease and metabolic syndrome. So for this study um, that was published uh, back in 2015, we used um, carboxymethylcellulose and polysorbate AAT which are two very commonly used uh, emulsifiers by the food industry. And what we observed was, was very striking. So in genetically susceptible animals that are predisposed to develop intestinal inflammation, the incidence and the severity of colitis were both drastically increased by emulsifiers consumption. So in addition, in wild-type animals that are not genetically susceptible to develop any kind of disease, the consumption of um, both emulsifiers was leading to more subtle intestinal inflammation but this was associated with the development of metabolic syndrome. So the animals treated with emulsifiers were gaining more weight and they developed some diabetic features such as uh, insulin resistance. So in terms of mechanism, we had some insight um, with the finding, for example, of such deleterious effects of emulsifiers were uh, associated with alteration of the intestinal microbiota, both in terms of composition and in terms of function. So the composition of the microbiota following emulsifiers consumption, uh, meaning who is present in the intestine, was altered, as well as its, its function, since we observed that the consumption of emulsifiers 
was associated with a macrobiota that is able to penetrate the, the mucus layer that is normally sterile and that covers the intestine in order to protect our intestine from the macrobiota. And furthermore, we observe that emulsifiers consumption was found to favor pro-inflammatory macrobiota with the observation that in animals consuming emulsifiers, the macrobiota was increased in its ability to activate pro-inflammatory signaling pathway in the intestine. And all the consequences of those alterations being an increased incidence of, of colitis and an increased severity of intestinal inflammation. So following on from this, what was the hypothesis and aims underpinning this current work? So from the previous findings I, I, I just described that were published in Nature in 2015, we had some insight about the mechanism behind such, such observation. So our initial hypothesis when we started the work uh, five years ago was that emulsifiers will directly act on the mucus layer, altering its integrity and thus favoring the penetration of uh, intestinal microbiota or antigens that will subsequently favor um, intestinal inflammation. But what we observed in our previous work was, um, was that um, germ-free animals, animals that does not carry any microbiota that are completely um, uh, microbiota-free, um, were completely protected from the detrimental effects induced by emulsifiers consumption. So such finding describing that the microbiota is required uh, for uh, emulsifiers detrimental effects. And moreover, when we took the microbiota from emulsifier-treated animals and we transferred such microbiota to germ-free recipient animals uh, by using fecal microbiota transplantation, we observed that this was sufficient to induce some of the phenotypes previously observed in animals that were directly uh, consuming emulsifiers. So meaning the microbiota seems to be sufficient to drive some of the phenotypes. So based on that, our hypothesis for the, the very uh, recently reported work was that maybe emulsifiers will act directly on the intestinal microbiota by favoring its ability to induce uh, intestinal inflammation. So you firstly assessed whether CMC and PAT emulsifiers can directly impact intestinal microbiota and AS mice. What were the benefits of using this particular strain and what did you find? So we indeed started our, our study by using mice with a very defined and minimal microbiota, which are named ASF for altered cellular flora. So in these animals, the microbiota is composed by only eight known species, with a normal, uh, while a normal animal is usually having between 500 and 1,000 1, distinct species. So we knew previously that germ-free animals were fully protected from emulsifier detrimental effects, but with those ASF animals, we wanted to use a more physiologically relevant model uh, in which the microbiota will be present, but very controlled and very limited. And what we observed we're using um, ISF mice uh, was that they were completely protective from detrimental effect of emulsifiers consumption as well. So they did not develop intestinal inflammation as it was the case for germ-free animals. So these results argue against the notion that emulsifiers have a strong impact on the host and on the mucus layer, but rather suggest that the possibility uh, that more subtle effect on a complex microbiota, so direct effect of emulsifiers on the microbiota will mediate uh, the deleterious effect of these, uh, these emulsifiers. So your methods included the EnM-SHIME system to assess the direct effect of emulsifiers on microbiota. Can you describe this in vitro system, its strengths and limitations, and how this was used to answer some of your research questions? 
So yeah, we, we indeed decided to take a great advantage of this model that was um, initially developed by our collaborator, Tom Vandeville, uh, from University of Gant in, in Belgium. And as I just told you, we previously used germ-free animals, which are animals without a microbiota, and we were not able to observe any detrimental effect induced by emulsifiers. So we next decided to do the counterpart approach by using a microbiota, but without any associated host. And this is exactly what the, um, what the SHIME model is. So the SHIME uh, stands for Simulator of the Human Intestinal Microbiota Ecosystem, and this is an in vitro microbiota that is stabilized without any associated host. So the other great advantage of such a SHINE system is that uh, it can be inoculated by, so it's, you have to inoculate it by using feces, uh, using fresh feces, and it can be inoculated using human feces. And this is the approach we used in order to investigate the direct impact of emulsifiers on the microbiota. And this SHINE system is mimicking the instant intestinal tract with a complex microbiota, a complex human microbiota, and what we did in vitro was to subsequently treat such system with uh, various emulsifiers and at various uh, concentrations. So you assessed your emulsifier compounds in this in vitro M-Shine system. So tell us about these results. So what, what we observed was, was very striking. So both emulsifiers used, used in our study, which were uh, carboxymethylcellulose and polysorbate 80, so the two that are very commonly used by the food industry, were having very profound impact on the in vitro microbiota uh, pro-inflammatory potential. So what we observed was, um, in the case of uh, carboxymethylcellulose, just following one day of treatment uh, with carboxymethylcellulose, the treated microbiota had a very profound increase, uh, increase in its production of pro-inflammatory molecules, such as the pro-inflammatory molecule flagellin, which is not very, to be very, a uh, very potent pro-inflammatory molecule involved in bacterial mo mobility and can lead to intestinal inflammation in the intestine. And we observed similar effects using uh, polysorbate 80, but it took a little bit longer since we needed to treat the system for uh, around four days to have such increase in the microbiota pro-inflammatory potential. So your next question was focused on the change in microbial functional capacity in response to these emulsifiers, and you assessed this through microbial gene expression studies. So what were the main findings of this part of the study? So yeah, we, we, we next wanted to understand what were the mechanisms beyond such observation. So what was the mechanism by which the microbiota will respond to emulsifier treatment uh, by increasing, uh, increasing its pro-inflammatory potential? Um, so what we did, we analyzed uh, this through uh, microbiota composition analysis, meaning analyzing the bacteria that are present in the community, as well as by analyzing uh, microbiota metatranscriptome, uh, so meaning analyzing what was expressed by the microbiota uh, community. So we used these two approaches, and by using such, uh, such approach, we were able to identify the two different mechanisms by which uh, emulsifiers are able to alter the microbiota pro-inflammatory potential. So for the case of polysorbate 80, uh, polysorbate 80 is, ab is able to alter the microbiota composition, so pretty drastic alteration in the microbial community structure, favoring the expansion of flagellated and pro-inflammatory bacteria. Uh, while in the case of carboxymethylcellulose, we were not able to observe any alteration of the microbiota composition in vitro, uh, so the composition stayed very similar to control uh, shine system that were uh, water treated only, 
But however, what we observed using uh, carboxymethyl cellulose is that it's sufficient to alter the macrobiota gene expression, and especially by increasing the expression of pro-inflammatory molecules uh, by the macrobiota. So in this study, we were fortunate enough to use two distinct emulsifiers that were having different mechanisms. Um, so polysorbate 80 by directly impacting the composition, while CMC is only altering the uh, transcription by the macrobiota, but both of them leading to a more pro-inflammatory macrobiota with an increased uh, motility, ability. The key question is whether emulsifiers ch induce changes in microbial diversity and function and whether this impacts host phenotype. And you assess this through a merger of the in vitro M. Shimes suspensions and an in vivo mouse model. So is there evidence to support this, this effect of emulsifiers? And if so, can you speculate on the potential mechanisms driving this change? Yeah, this, this is the, the last approach we used in, in our manuscript. Um, that was to humanize germ-free animals with the in vitro treated microbiota. So we took a human microbiota, we treated this human microbiota in vitro uh, by emulsifiers, and we subsequently transplanted those emulsifier treated microbiota to germ-free uh, recipient animals. So using this approach, the recipient animals will never be treated with emulsifiers, but they will only receive um, the in vitro microbiota, the in vitro human microbiota that were previously treated with either carboxymethyl cellulose or polysorbate 80. And what we found here uh, was that the transplantation of altered microbiota, so coming from the shine system treated with emulsifiers, was sufficient to drive some degree of intestinal inflammation. Uh, but in, in the animal model we used, so we did not use any um, genetically susceptible animals, we used a wild type recipient animals. And this was associated with development of low-grade intestinal inflammation and uh, metabolic syndrome. And moreover, when, when we analyzed the microbiota localization in such recipient animals, we observed that the microbiota that were in vitro treated with emulsifiers has the ability to penetrate the normally sterile mucus layer, which was one of the central features we previously observed when we directly treated animals with emulsifiers. So it seems that by treating the microbiota in vitro, we are able to reproduce what we are previously observing by directly treating the animals with uh, emulsifiers. So to conclude on, on this point, this study demonstrated that emulsifiers are acting directly on the microbiota by favoring its pro-inflammatory potential and its ability to penetrate the mucus layer and its ability to encroach upon its host. And importantly, the direct effect of emulsifiers on the intestinal microbiota seems to be sufficient to drive uh, intestinal inflammation. So finally, what are the translational aspects of the study back to human health and disease? So that's a very good question, of course. And in this study, we identified that emulsifiers consumption are acting directly on the microbiota. And we were also able to identify some bacteria that are significantly impacted by such compounds. So some bacteria that are significantly impacted by carboxymethyl cellulose, some other by polysorbate 80, some other by both compounds, while we also identified some bacteria that were not, uh, not at all impacted by such compounds. So we are not now working to elucidate if all the microbiota will respond in the same way to emulsifiers, uh, as we can think that some microbiota will be more prote protected from emulsifiers' detrimental impact. So uh, we are using, for example, various human donors with, for example, the use of microbiota from IBD patients, from patients with uh, inflammatory bowel disease, in order to investigate what, what will be the consequence of emulsifiers consumption 
on those various microbiota, and especially in the context of uh, IBD uh, patients. And um, we will we will be able, we hope, in the near future, to identify microbiota that are more susceptible to alterations induced by uh, emissifier exposure. So in the near future, we can think about uh, stratification of human uh, inflammatory bowel disease patients, in which we will be able to identify individuals with a higher susceptibility to develop disease when exposed uh, to emulsifiers, and that will be and, uh, very important for them to have uh, dietary recommendations. Well, that brings us to the end of today's podcast. I'd like to thank Dr. Benoit Chassin for joining me today. Thank you very much for that. Thank you. Thank you, Mary. Thank you for the invitation.